as a business owner at the beginning, your, your to-do list is a mile long. And so you just have to say, is this good enough? Is me putting two hours into this right now going to get me far enough because I have a million other things to do? And, and when you're a perfectionist and focusing and nitpicking, it led to inaction. Welcome to the Dream Mentorship Podcast, where we interview everyday women making a difference in their lives and communities. From doctors to stay-at-home mamas, CEOs who work hard with no drama, this is where you come to dream and be inspired. Because at Dream Mentorship, we believe that every dream is valid. Here's our host and founder, Mac Jane Creighton. Hey everybody, welcome to today's podcast and today's guest, you would absolutely love hearing her story. But before we get started, I just want to give you a little bit of background about um, Kaylee Hernandez. Uh, she is our guest for today. She is the founder of Rojo. Um, she's passionate about social and economic change. She completed her undergraduate degree cum laude and with honors at Northwestern University studying political science and international studies. When she graduated, she accepted a fellowship at Princeton, where she worked for a global humanitarian organization across East Africa, working on refugee and child labor programming. While she was also attending the 2015 Clayton Global Initiative University Conference, she was named a Resolution Fellow, which awarded her seed money and mentorship to launch Rojo. So today, I am so, so excited to see the progress that she has done since 2015 to this very point. So how she scaled her business, and if you are ever thinking about how to start your own business, this is a part podcast for you. You definitely need to get your pen out and a piece of paper because you're going to be taking a lot of notes. So without further ado, join me and welcome today, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today. Thank you so much, Mac Jane. I'm thrilled to be here and excited to talk about all things Rojo. Awesome. So just give us a little bit of background. I know we just kind of talked about all of this fantastic things that you do. And I really love the mission of Rojo and what it does. But for our listeners who have never heard of you before, can you give them a little bit of background as to what your organization does, what your company is all about, and what you all do? Sure. So I'm, as you mentioned, I'm the founder of Rojo. Rojo in Swahili uh, means spirit or kindness, and we say that's what we're all about. So we partner with talented artisans across Kenya. Right now, that equates to over 400 artisans, 95% of whom are women. And these artisans are producing beautiful handicrafts across Kenya and often don't get paid well for the work that they do. So we partner with the most talented artisans we can find, creating unique interesting products. We sell them here in the U.S. to our customers, and we're committed to paying our artisans fair trade wages or above. So that means 50% higher than the industry standard. And additionally, we fund education programs for our different artisan groups. So based off of the needs of our different groups, we provide additional support as well. For our sandal artisan group, for example, we send our artisans' children to quality local schools in the area. So with Rojo, we sell a 
number of products, beaded leather jewelry, that's all fair trade, handmade by a group of Maasai women in the south of Kenya, beaded leather sandals, as I mentioned, made on the coast of Kenya, new uh, bead and suede meals that come from Nairobi, and we also have a cowhide collection as well. So cowhide totes, uh, leather purses, uh, accessories, things along those lines. Great. I know that so many people who are listening to this are like, ooh, ooh, I need to get those. And I've been to your website and I see they are lovely. Um, if anyone is listening to this, what would be the greatest place for them to go shop? <laughs> so you can find us at rohogoods.com. Roho is spelled phonetically R-O-H-O. Okay, fantastic. You heard her. So go shop. Okay. All right. So let's get into some more details about business. So you launched a business not only while in school, but also across continents. How did you manage to handle all of that on top of, you know, being a student on top of your classes? To be completely honest, school was definitely my priority while I was at Northwestern. I had this idea for Rojo after I studied abroad in Uganda and came across these beautiful beaded leather sandals that were in a craft market uh, well, that I attended and they were just stunning and such a contrast to everything all around me. I, I bought a pair for my mom and myself and we continued to wear them and talk about how special these shoes were. And so I suppose what I could say is that I used what was available to me at school to start to kind of expand out this business idea a bit more. So after I initially saw these sandals and became obsessed with them, I was able to receive grant funding for research for my senior thesis. Uh, and so I returned back to Uganda the following summer. I was interviewing women and their access to aid programs. Um, the research was important, of course, but it was also nice because I was able to leverage the fact that I was back in Uganda to start to map out the East African sandal industry and what that looks like. So it was kind of like killing two birds with one stone. And, you know, after I graduated school, I knew that Rojo was on my horizon, but also knew, you know, I have to understand how things work on the ground. I need to ensure that my Swahili is a bit better than it was when I graduated from college and ensure that I was in the best position to start this business. So I accepted a fellowship with Princeton uh, after I graduated and used that as an opportunity to continue kind of expanding my business idea while at the same time gaining on the ground experience. Okay, so you kind of dropped some germs while you were talking about, you know, doing interviews and market research. And sometimes as a business owner or somebody who is even thinking about this idea of starting their own business, it can seem overwhelming. A lot of the questions we get at Dream Mentorship is, where do I even start? Um, so can you speak a little bit about that? How to start, how to do research, how to go about this life um, of being a business owner? First and foremost, I used my time in college and then immediately afterwards while I was living in East Africa to really finalize what our initial product line would look like. And that's not to say I got it perfect because I definitely didn't and didn't know what I was doing in the slightest. I started with far too large a sandal line and we definitely have had to narrow it down over time. But I did use those initial few years while I was in college and out just passed um, to ensure that I knew how sandals were 
properly made, the best quality shoes, start to speak to women in the U.S. about what their expectations were for shoes, how comfortable they had to be, how long they had to last, how much women would pay for the product that I had. Um, and we started doing some small focus groups and things like that to start to get a better idea of what people were really looking for. And, you know, as I mentioned, I, my background was never in business. I never thought really, I mean, the idea of Rojo was kind of a pipe dream. I never actually thought that I would be in business. And so as a result, my, none of my studies were, had anything to do with this. My background was always in international development. Um, and as a result, moving back to the States and getting ready to launch Rojo, I didn't, there was so much I didn't know that I didn't know. And I knew that I didn't know, but I just did, wasn't sure what the right questions were to ask or things like that. And I will say that for those who are potentially considering getting or starting their own business or just taking a leap in a new way, you would be surprised how many people want to help you if you ask for it. And I'll say, if you buy someone a cup of coffee and write a thank you note afterwards, that will get you so far. And for me, it did. So I, as you know, as soon as I moved back to the States, I would ask someone who I knew who's in the shoe business. I asked someone who'd run a company for a million years. I talked to bookkeepers. I talked to, you know, a million people saying, could I just pick your brain for 10 minutes? What do you think of this? What advice do you have? And I would say that in those conversations, I felt a bit overwhelmed because I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much information and I don't know it all and this is so there's so much here but by taking copious notes and familiarizing myself with these different topics it was really helpful and I'd say saved me a ton of time later on yes I love it uh, <laughs> I'm sitting here like okay I can totally relate to some of the things that you're talking about and then feel like okay I don't want to bother people but at the same time I need information so I'm gonna have to ask so that is fantastic that you brought that out and it's super important because nobody knows it all we just have to keep looking for ways um, to better ourselves to better our businesses to better our dreams or whatever it is that we have going on in that explore what were some of the greatest lessons that you learned in starting a business? I learned that there's no such thing as a perfect time. I learned that I am a perfectionist and there's a time and a place to be a perfectionist. And oftentimes in business, you just have to go with, you know what, this is good enough for right now, because as a business owner, at least at the beginning, your, your to-do list is a mile long. And so you just have to say, is this good enough? Is me putting two hours into this right now going to get me far enough because I have a million other things to do? And, and when you're a perfectionist and focusing and nitpicking, for me at least, it led to inaction. And that is, is kind of the bane of my existence in this business. I mean, it, you know, it just leads me to not be able to do anything useful. Um, and I would also say another huge lesson during this time is people want to support your passion. So mm -hmm. if I was in a position to really articulate what I want to do, tell stories of the artisans, talk about my passion, that's huge. And, um, and it makes it really easy for other people to follow and understand what you're doing. People remember stories, they don't remember facts necessarily. 
Great. And, and, and talking about that, just kind of going further from, you know, even in that conversation, what are some things that you would say that you wish you had learned before you started your own business? Well, shoot, so many things. For me, I really struggled initially with trying to understand because this business is social in nature, right? So there's an act of giving and then there's the product. And for me, and my background, I was always so focused on the giving, the giving, look at everything you're doing in Kenya, but really what has to happen to the product has to speak for itself as well. You know, it has to be a beautiful shoe just in its own right or a beautiful bag or whatever. And that took me a while to understand, to really fully comprehend. And I wish that I'd learned that earlier on because I kept being given kind of conflicting advice. Someone said, you have to go story first. Another person said, you have to only go product and not tell the story. And so there's just like a balance. Um, I'd also say, I wish that I had trusted my gut more early on. I think I didn't have a lot of confidence because I didn't have the background experience in business and things like that. And so Oftentimes, instead of listening to my own gut or what like felt in integrity to me, I would ask for advice from a million people and then listen to what they said, as opposed to listen to what they said, think about it, think how it fit into my business, because no one has experience in my business, except for me. No one knows what mm-hmm. this is going to become, except for me. So as a result, I think sometimes Rojo lost its way. And that's definitely on me, but something that I wish I was better at initially, but I'm definitely honing and improving now. Yeah, and I hear you because I'm sure a lot of people listening to this would say, oh girl, you're really speaking to my heart. As a, as a business owner myself, or as a founder, sometimes you can feel like, oh, it's impossible not to hear everybody else and or not to take everyone's opinion or not to constantly want to tweak your ideas and to fit into what everybody is saying. But what you just said is critical, that it's important that we get to know, okay, this is my idea. This is my passion. This is the vision I got when I wanted to start this business and to stay on that path. So that is super, super, super important. And I wish anyone who's listening to this would write that down because you're going to have moments where you feel like, okay, am I even unsure? Why am I doing this? It's always great to come back. For me personally, I always go back to the foundation, to the very first idea. How? Why do I want to do this? Who do I want to impact? And what difference do I want to make? So that, that I I love that you brought that and that's and you being authentic with that story. Now talking about story and 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 that part of life, at what point in your business did you say, okay, now we got this right? You know, it's hard because for me, I will say to myself, okay, when we do X, then we'll have made it. And then we'll get to X. And then I'll be like, okay, well, when we get to Y, we will have made it. So for me, I never have felt like we've made it yet because at each new step, there's a new struggle along with it. There are new problems, a whole new set of problems. As you grow as a business, you go from like, oh my God, are we able to make it financially? Like, and not go bankrupt and belly up immediately to like, oh my God, I don't have enough of this product right now. And we're going to let down a big client and things like that. So I feel like I haven't made it. And yet I will say when 
I am in Kenya and talking to our artisans and seeing how our artisans' children have grown and continue to stay in school when many of our artisans either are illiterate or have the equivalent of like a middle school education, seeing how, you know, their children are now in the equivalent of high school, that's huge. That's when I feel like this is why I did this. It's not necessarily to be in the jewelry business or the shoe business or the women's accessory business, but because I see the direct impact it makes. And I'll also say on the customer side, I feel like I've made it when I will get emails or notes from people I don't know who just say, these sandals are my favorite. I wasn't supposed to do this, but we ended up going on a seven mile hike and I was wearing my sandals and they were comfortable the whole time. And I was like, we do not recommend wearing your sandals for seven miles, (laughs) but it's just that people get what we're doing and tell me makes me feel like, whoa, we're on the right path. This is, this is what I was supposed to be doing. I love it. I love the stories. Ooh, the stories like that that inspire me to say, you know what, this is why we are in business to start with. And let's talk a little bit about your personality because it takes someone with special heart to all to say, hey, I want to look out for artisans in in Africa or any any other place. Take someone with a special heart to be interested in, in child labor related issues, to be interested in refugees. But when you're not from that place, you're, you don't have any connections in quote, people from that place. It's a little bit different from my point of view. So can you tell me a little bit about your personal background, maybe something that inspired you to say, you know what, this is something that I'm passionate about, um, social change, and I want to see it happen. When I grew up, I came from a family that was well off. And then over the course of the 2008 recession, my family lost everything. And as a result, I went from a family that was very comfortable to under the poverty line in the US. And it was obviously life-changing, but also incredibly eye-opening. Just, I had no idea what that would look like, what that looked like or felt like. And I saw that for us, my family, we were stuck in the cycle where we were just paycheck to paycheck. We couldn't get ahead. And it was like just a really unfortunate circumstance. And I couldn't help but think to myself, this is what it's like in the U.S. And there are places that don't have as large of safety nets as they do in the U.S. And I never thought I would work in East Africa. To be honest, it was just at Northwestern. They had a really amazing African studies department and my mentor was in African studies. And so one thing led to another and I ended up in Uganda initially. It's not like, it's funny how life works out sometimes, but it's a beautiful part of the world. It has huge untapped talent opportunity. And I couldn't help but think, you know, there are a lot of local people doing incredible work locally. And yet I have skills in that I understand a Western market in a way that a lot of like Kenyan artisans don't necessarily. So while I started in Uganda, I ended up following the shoes to Kenya. Maybe I should say that in case that's confusing to anyone. I can't help but think that I bring something to this area as well. And that's, you know, the ability to translate what a Western woman is looking for to expand these markets for these artisans through Rojo. So it's not to say that there's not 
need and a ton that needs to be done in the U.S., but it's more to say, this is where life took me at this place. And whether or not you believe in fate uh, or not, I just think it was kind of the right time in my life. And I saw an opportunity and I took it. Mm, I love it. Um, and, and kind of going further with that, what would you say to anybody listening to this and thinking in their head, oh, she's really speaking to my heart. I've always had this dream to start this business or to help people or to go to Africa or, you know, it doesn't even have to be Africa, it can be Europe. There mm -hmm. are so many places. South America totally. that they need, you know, they need us, they need help, they need, um, they are talented, they are skilled, um, but they don't, they just don't have access to resources. What would you say to that woman listening right now um, that is, you know, that's thinking about that? You know, my grandfather, uh, who actually passed away a year ago, like in a week, um, so it's just kind of timely that I'm mentioning him, but he had the saying, and it was that if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And so if you can find a way to match your passions and interests with a career, I think it's so incredibly fulfilling. That's not to say necessarily the job you do has to be the most fulfilling thing in the world. You could find other ways to channel your passions, whether it's volunteering on the side or whatnot. That has really always stuck with me. And I grew up in a family where my mom was always incredibly supportive of my passions. And I had this crazy idea to start this company. And she was the first one to say, great, how do we do it? What are the next steps? Let's get you back over to Kenya and Uganda. And, you know, so we can start to map out the, the sandal industry. What, what would it take to get there? You know, there's never, I could have felt limited because you know, I was low in, a low-income student, I was on scholarship, and she was like, even if there are grants available to get you over there, um, even if you have to take out a small student loan to, like, do this research, like, you should do it, and and I think not letting yourself be fear-based is, is incredibly important as well. You know, you just have to live, I know I keep coming back to this, but, like, you have to live in integrity with yourself in order to be the, the best me that I can be what am I going to do Mm -hmm. What choices am I gonna make? That's right. Yeah, I, yeah, you are absolutely correct. And who doesn't love a mom <laughs> who is very supportive, mm -hmm. and that makes a whole lot of difference. Mm -hmm. um, so as we wrap up this conversation today, you really said a lot of real hard stuff that I'm, I'm hoping that anyone that's listening would literally take them to heart and take action. Um, that they are inspired um, not to just leave, but to leave the best version of themselves every day so when you are not working when you are not dreaming and when you're not helping artisans in Kenya what is fun for you it sounds crazy to other people but I love like ridiculous athletic feats so I'm training right now for like a rowing I rode in college so I'm doing marathon on the erg in a month the erg is like the rowing machine that like you'll see it has like the handles i'm sure if you ever go to the gym you'll see it so i'm training for a marathon next month and just a lot of hikes and playing with my ridiculous dog named kibo who's named after the highest peak on mount kilimanjaro that i climbed a few years ago so just yeah finding ways to challenge myself and push myself out of my comfort zone and then also eating like incredibly high calorie desserts. I also get a lot of joy out of that too. 
That's really exciting. Definitely not what I was thinking, but those are excellent <laughs> fun facts about you. I, I love that, that we get to see that part of you. Um, and of course, also hear more about your business. So as we round up this um, conversation, and can you give a word of encouragement um, to someone who is struggling and saying, this is a whole mistake or I don't know what I got myself into. I shouldn't have started a business. I shouldn't have started this dream or what, what not. Can you tie that into telling us from how you scaled now, encouraging someone to say you too can do it? I'd say there's a solution to everything, even if it's not what you thought. So for us in scaling, we had to get really scrappy. Uh, and I'll say too, we had to look to other sources to help fund our scaling. So for us, we're a business, so it never would have seemed like a, something that was possible, but we ended up applying for and receiving a ton of grant funding. And usually for businesses, as I mentioned, that's like not a thing because you're a for-profit company. Um, mm -hmm. But because of our social mission, um, there are a lot of people who wanted to help fund and support that work that we are doing and using business as a source of poverty alleviation. And so I guess what I would say for people who feel stuck or unsure of next steps, it's just there is a solution to everything. You just have to open your mind to the possibilities. And it also can look a lot different than you thought. You know, a lot of times I'll do what I call a brain dump where I just take out a sheet of paper and like write ideas or anxieties or questions or thoughts or, or to-do lists. I'm a big to-do list person. Um, and that's really helpful. Just writing out everything you think is possible, potential solutions to a problem and look through them and see, see what options you have. That is really, really great. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kaylee. I am so excited to hear all the great stuff that you're doing. And we want to wish you the very best in your business as you grow, as you expand and as you, you know, help more people as well. And in Kenya, and if you have a dream of expanding to other areas too, we're hoping that you will, and we would love to follow your story and to see all the cool stuff that you're doing. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you for the opportunity. It was a pleasure. Well, everybody, that comes to the end of this beautiful, beautiful podcast today. We absolutely enjoyed it. I hope you did. And the best part is that you can gift this to someone you know. So if you know a young lady or a grandma or an auntie who definitely would love listening to this podcast that would benefit from it, please share it with them and give us a feedback also on what you think about it. We want to know your thoughts, okay? And also, if you're a young lady listen to this podcast and you're interested in starting your own business or you're confused about what you want to do or some of the things that Kelly highlighted and you have questions, please reach out to us. Our mentoring program is just for that. We want to be able to help you navigate through life as you make the decisions that would impact you and help you become a better you, okay? All right, so all you have to do is head on to our website, www.dreammentorship.org and connect with us and someone would definitely get in touch with you. Also, we have our summer program coming up, which is a leadership capstone um, opportunity for young women all over. Yes, you heard me all over, not just in the United States. So wherever you are listening to this and you want to be a part of our summer program, 
please head on to our website and sign up. Thank you again for listening and thank you so much for being a part of Dream Mentorship family. Until next time, bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. If you'd like to learn more about what Dream Mentorship has to offer, follow us on Instagram at Dream Mentorship or visit our website, dreammentorship.org. This podcast was edited by Ruby Liebeshack. Live your authentic dream because every dream is valid.